Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score. Killers plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. Media Project is a half hour of commentary and analysis. And some days we even have some insight into the media issues of the week, and we welcome you. I'm Rex Smith, here with some veteran journalists, Rosemary Armeo, Barbara Lombardo, and, of course, Dr. Alan Shartok, to whom we turn first, Dr. Shartok, uh. CEO of Northeast Public Radio, political scientist. And here we have a convergence of politics and media in what's going on with Andrew Cuomo. Just to explain to our readers, we do pre-record this program. So as we speak, the governor of New York is Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think this is going to last? But how about the media handling of the bombshell Andrew Cuomo report that came from the Attorney General Tish James? Well, first of all, I, I hate to be cruel about this, but I think the media is sort of like a pig rolling around in uh, whatever that is, because this is a major story, of course, and there's a sort of death watch going on, whether Cuomo, as we speak, will resign. Yeah. I have had a long history with Andrew Cuomo, personal history. It's what got me into trouble with his father. He's done this kind of mean-spirited stuff all his life, and I've never really liked him. And in fact, the father and I ended up splitting up over Andrew because I had said that Andrew had no business running against Carl McCall, who was then running for governor. And for years, he didn't talk to me, and nor did he allow anybody in the governor's office to talk to us at WMC. And then all of a sudden, something changed, and he wanted to be on the air with me, and he was. And then he made a jerk out of himself a couple of times. One he used in context, the N-word, which got him into a lot of trouble. And then the second issue was, I asked him a simple question, what are you doing on Thanksgiving? He said his mother and his daughters were coming up to the mansion. And that, at the very time when he had been saying to everybody, don't yeah. travel and don't go anywhere, stay home. And so he stopped talking to me. I mean, <laughs> not talking to me anymore. What he did was his problem, but, you know, it's never going to be him. It's always somebody else. Yeah. Maybe the association with talking to you was too painful because he got in trouble for saying those things, you know, and it was in well, the Well, I'm sure that's right. Yeah. I'm absolutely sure that's right. But really, I got blamed for what he did, and that is typical, Andrew. Mm -hmm. Rosemary, you've probably seen this kind of thing before in politicians. <laughs> You know, I think the media should not be taking a rap for reveling in this story. What writer would not pride goeth before the fall? It's hubris. This is Shakespearean. <laughs> this huge, powerful man on the top comes crashing down. The devastating detail and scope of that attorney general's report shocked me. I mean, I was on the roundtable the morning it came out, just before it came out, saying, oh, this is going to be nothing. He's going to get out. And then I read that report. I didn't even read it all. I read part of it and said, oh, he is toast. And that is a major story that needs to be covered. If I fault the media for anything, it's for not carrying it for This was done right. Andrew was protected while the women's stories were listened to and vetted and checked. And now he has to face the consequences. That did not happen with Al Franken, who was ousted for 
forced to get out before he had his due process. It certainly did not happen with Donald Trump, who there's twice as many women involved with Trump accusations as there were with Cuomo. He has skated through as if he is blameless. We did it right in this case, and the press needs to make that clear. This is how Me Too is supposed to work and he needs the consequences. I also have really big praise, of course, for the New York Times, but also for the Times Union, which has been covering this story, editorializing about it, and every day outrages me more. Yesterday was a story about how Andrew and the state police conspired to lie to the Times Union when they were investigating the story, not previously reported because of this lie, that he had enticed a young woman not qualified to be on his protection detail so he could feel her up all the time. That's an amazing story, and this is all detailed in the report. And then today, on the front page is a picture of flowers being delivered to the executive mansion. I've been ranting about this for an hour. <laughs> From women who support Cuomo, it's a very hard for me to be a feminist today. That's ridiculous. He may not have touched you up or hurt your daughter, but that report makes clear that this is not a man who should be in public office or deserves our trust. And so I really praise the Times Union for the coverage. Barbara, what lessons do journalists take then from this? Wow. I want to say that I agree with everything. That <laughs> right, right. I said, I said it so darn well. Normal, I'm That's what you say in, in Congress. I said I like to uh, associate myself with the remarks of the uh, gentle lady from Colony. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the lessons would be to let the process continue and report on it forcefully as it happens and try not to look too gleeful. I understand that when a politician or anybody else that you have to cover is an arrogant jerk and doesn't want to talk to you or shuts you out or maybe conversely does a lot of good things and you kind of feel bad because somebody could be doing a lot of good and you hate to see the person fall, but you have to let the process play out and report it forcefully, which is what has been happening. The great columnist, political columnist, late great Molly Ivins used to say, and she was a Texas, she covered Texas. No, that is wrong, Barbara. When you have all the evidence and you nail the hide of an old goat to the wall, crow about it. And, the, <laughs> and that's what's happened this time. You know, I, I have a story in the back of my head. I don't know how appropriate it is to tell it, but when Andrew did the gun control thing in New York State, I wrote a single column. I've written a lot of negative columns about the guy, but I wrote a single column saying, that was very good. It was. I was glad you did it. And the phone rang, and I was lying in bed, and the phone rang, and there was Andrew Cuomo. And he said, I'm just calling you. Somebody told me you finally wrote a good you column about did something about right. <laughs> <laughs> Take a note. So I think this guy reads everything that's written about him, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Well, his father, of course, famously would always say, I don't read the papers, I don't read the papers. But he, we then learned, of course, that he had an aide who called in at 6.30 a.m. every morning to read him the papers <laughs> so that oh, he absolutely. would know what was, was in them. It was not a lie. It was not a lie. That would be well, very, sort of a lie. very Mario of him, you know, that Andrew Cuomo not being quite so precise about his conscience. <laughs> you know, it is a, a remarkable situation where you had, on the one hand, the national press almost adulatory of Andrew Cuomo during the time that he stood in stark contrast to Donald Trump when the Andrew Cuomo daily briefings on coronavirus made him something of almost a cult figure among liberals across the country because he was giving detailed and calm information about the coronavirus when then-President Donald Trump was dismissed.
dismissing it. At the same time, Rosemary refers to the Times Union reporting, at the same time, the Times Union was unveiling some of this material that is now in this report that has been corroborated by the Attorney General's and carried much further by the Attorney General's investigation. And, of course, there was a lot of criticism of the media for this coverage of Andrew Cuomo that was less than adulatory, that didn't give him kind of all the credit that the national media, most notably television, of course, would do. So I think that that's an interesting point that Rosemary raises, or Barbara raised it, or whoever raised it, it's fine. It's right that you do sometimes have this juxtaposition of really favorable coverage and really negative coverage. That's not, of course, our job to care about. It is our job to report what we find, even if that makes you unpopular, even if that puts you at risk of losing access to some of the officials who don't we, want to talk We're about. sort of like the CDC, though. One day, everything is rosy. We're sitting here talking about whether the press has been too negative about COVID. Do you remember that discussion? Mm -hmm. No, we were not too negative. And the next day, it's like, oh, everything is bleak. We're all going to die of the new variant. And there is that up and down and up and down. And I think a lot of that has to do with why people don't trust us and why it's easy for them to say, I'm only going to look for the news that supports my point of view, because we do do that variation. It's either all black or all white. I want to talk a little bit, if we can, Rex, as our leader, about CNN. CNN has a couple of problems right now. They have Chris Cuomo, who is their number one attractor of watchers. And he also, let's face it, part of the reason he got there, I'm not talking about how he's performing, but how he got there was that he was the governor's brother. Maybe. I don't know. I think he he got there on his own. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Oh, I don't think so. I think he was rising before his brother became governor. Mm -hmm. I think he's in the standards that networks apply to correspondents. He does what they want him to do. He's good. Well, he certainly is attracting eyeballs, and you're certainly all right about that, but you're wrong when you suggest that the name Cuomo doesn't mean anything. I I don't know that it's his brother. I mean, he comes from a really long and powerful family. It's Cuomo. It's the last name that helped. I have no doubt about that, just the same way that... Another former New York governor who had no right to be on CNN had a spot there. They like big, strong politicians, especially ones with controversy. Well, but also where you come from does where you, yeah. Yeah. Where, where you come from does affect how you get ahead in showbiz. And let's admit that television journalism sure. is showbiz. So sure. look at Anderson Cooper, the son of Gloria Vanderbilt. Gloria Vanderbilt. So yeah. that I little fortune had didn't hurt right. him, did it? Yeah, I don't think at all. So but, anyway, your point. But, well, okay, so then the question becomes: What does CNN do now? Am I my brother's keeper? Or as the herring said to the wheel, am I my blubber's keeper? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that brings oh, the boy. show down to a whole <laughs> <laughs> So this uh, show air in the Catskills? This is really great. You have a future. So, so, so what do they do? It seems to me that Zucker, that's his name. Uh-huh, uh, Jeff Zucker, the they, president yeah, of CNN. The, the, you know, you're looking at the numbers and you're saying, well, there's some people going to criticize us for playing him, but on the other hand, look at what he's doing for us. So Chris Cuomo is the number one show on CNN, yeah. as you said. It's at 9 p.m. right in prime time. <laughs> oh, there is. The governor's calling. The governor's calling. So here he is on at 9 p.m. on the day that this attorney general's report comes out. And he doesn't mention it. He doesn't deal with it at all. Is that irresponsible? It was horrible of CNN. They should have pulled him off that show that day and had somebody else subbing in and saying, this is the huge news for every hour of our news shows today. You can't talk about it. We get that. We agree. 
you know, somebody else is going to have to do two hours instead of Lemon yeah. or whoever it might be. Interesting. That, but are, if you're Jeff Zucker, aren't you looking and saying, oh, people are going to tune in to see what Chris exactly says? Exactly, they are. Well, and they should have and then And it. then they, yep. right, they would say, right. since yeah. Chris is the governor's brother, we're not going to have him on today. We're having whomever. Brother. Well, you could have had him on as a commentator rather than as the anchor of the show. And they could say, yeah. does mom still love you better? I gagged during that well, coverage you know, this whole his brother on. It was ridiculous. This whole brother connection has been a mess, and CNN holds as much responsibility as Chris, Chris Cuomo, who didn't do much of it in secret. They knew what he was doing. That and, is, you mean earlier when he was advising early, yeah, his brother? When, well, and, even before that, when he had COVID himself, oh, oh. and then the big brother comes on and talks about, you know, being a leader, and now my brother has it, it's in my family. That was all warm and cozy. I liked those shows, but even Chris, though I thought it was a conflict of interest. It, well, it was a conflict, and it was it was kind of ridiculous. It was, yes. it was too much. Yes. But CNN obviously liked it because they let it continue to happen. They did impose and a rule, which now comes back to, which is in the context of this coverage, relevant. Impose a rule that Chris Cuomo can't advise his brother. his brother and shouldn't cover his brother. That is the new rule after it was revealed that he was an advisor. Can you imagine, you know, we've run newspapers before, uh-huh. and to have somebody on CNN making five million bucks a year or whatever, I think I read he was making, and they just discovered that, well, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. Right. But it's they're seduced by those numbers, by oh, the yeah. viewership numbers. And in this case, Zucker should call him in and say, Chris, you got to be looking. We're done. But he won't. Well, I, I don't see. think he really will unless there's I thought maybe pressure. A susp- I, maybe a suspension. I mean, did he break... Besides an ethical rule, did he break a rule that's in his contract? Not for CNN. In fact, the the rule they imposed upon him is what he followed. He didn't report about his brother. But, of course, the show immediately following his, Don Lemon, did lead off right away. As soon as Chris Cuomo left the air, there was Don Lemon reporting on the Andrew Cuomo report. They didn't have their little tit-tat, oh, brother, how you doing? No, they did. He said, love you, D. Lemon. That's the last thing that Andrew Cuomo, uh, whatever his name is, Christopher Cuomo said (laughs) before the show came out. So what we have going here is a death watch to see whether or not... Yeah, both brothers. I'm watching both brothers. brothers. I don't don't think that's going to happen to Chris Cuomo. I agree with you. I I think that it won't be an impeachment, Mm -hmm. but I think that he's not long for CNN. Well, if his numbers his else. numbers stay where they are, Rosemary, I think that they're not going to touch him. If his numbers went down, then I would agree with you. Where would he go? What job would be there for Christopher Cuomo? He's not going to go to Fox News, right? Because he he's go clearly MSNBC. He can't. I mean, I don't think they would take him. And so I don't think there really is a place. It's going to be an interesting thing to watch. I think there is a good question as to whether CNN can continue to, to have him. And Jeff Zucker is not going to be the president of uh, CNN for all, that much longer. There was a question whether he would stay a couple of months ago when his contract was uh, apparently up. So I wonder if the next president of CNN, A, is going to be a woman, and B is going to be somebody who will say, okay, we're done with this. Well, uh, Chris Cuomo's brother may no longer be governor, so they would get rid of that. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's such a plethora of news outlets now. Like, where did the guy, Shep, what's his name, who left at Fox News? CNBC. Yeah, Shepard Smith. He left in, yes, yeah, CNBC. Okay, I don't even watch that, but there are other outlets, and I do think that hmm. it's time for him to leave, but this is one of Allen's woulda, shouldas. He should be leaving, but will he with popularity where it is? I'm not sure. Well, you know, we I all have just... brothers and others who, who present problems from time to time. Not mine. I just want to make that clear. I'm in <laughs> enough trouble out there already. <laughs> no, no, but 
This is not an unusual question. Should the brother be responsible for what his sibling did or well, didn't do? Or what kind of coverage comes when you have a journalist in the family, Sherrod Brown, the U.S. senator from Ohio, whose wife... Uh, Schultz. Schultz, thank you, is a Pulitzer Prize-winning columnist. You know, that's a, a difficult situation. It is, and they covered up much better. I mean, Chris and Andrew seemed not to think there was anything wrong with it. Well, and so it came out. There it, wasn't it, it, at the time. There, there was. There always was because— yeah. You say so because you're a professional journalist and you have a set of admirable ethics. ethics. Yeah. But and I think the, the careful the viewer would think the same thing, hmm. that they only talked about things that were great— Hey, bro, how things with the nursing home scandal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that stuff. No, it, it was never about stuff like that. Right. So yeah. it was always irresponsible coverage just for the sake of the eyeballs that they thought people enjoyed watching. Uh, speaking it. of no the nursing kidding. home issues, this was a topic of great, let's say, conflagration with the media that Andrew Cuomo's office insisted was overblown, which now remains a huge topic out there to be explored and exploded, I think, in and the exploited. same way that the fish. James stuff is. That is the next shoe to drop. If Andrew Cuomo somehow survives this scandal, that one will be another big one. I think the media also now has to look at two women who have suddenly come into great positions of prominence and power. One is Letitia James, who again has done an amazing investigation. She's impressive. And the second is a lieutenant governor who I admit I know not enough about. I know her name, and I know she's from Buffalo, and that's about it. And both of them are now immensely important in New York. And I expect to actually to open the paper today and see profiles on both and have it. Well, you will. So, shortly, Being I Being a political scientist, I can tell you a few factors. One is, in invisible ink in the Constitution, there is a line that says, if you don't come from the five boroughs of Manhattan, you can't be governor. <laughs> And the other is, of course, that Hochul, who has been very, very true to Andrew Cuomo, let's put it that way, carrying his message again and again and again, now has the problem of having to dig her way out of all of that. She's the lieutenant governor, for those of you who have no idea who, who she never is. Never heard the name, and, yeah. And for all of you who have never heard the name, you're not alone. Yeah. Well, since this is a media program, we'll say that there was attention paid to her race for re-election last time because she had a tough race. She was up against the uh, New York City public advocate, Jumani Williams, and he ran a good race. She won by seven points. In a number of places, she actually fared better than Andrew Cuomo. She actually carried better than he did in his last primary. So she and, actually has some strength politically, and, I think. And if you read your media, of course, this is the media project, and I'm trying to justify what I'm about to say. Um, <laughs> if you read your media, she was called upon by Cuomo on this re-election to quit, to get out. And she said she would not do that. That's not speculation. We know that that's true. Mm. So, you know, that's one more factor in how all of this is going to get played out. She can now point to the fact that she stood up to Cuomo when he told her to get out. Interesting stuff. We will come back to this, I'm sure. But there is, of course, the other major story that we need to deal with from a media standpoint, and that is the pandemic. There's been a lot of coverage lately about the breakthrough, let's say. That's the term that is usually used for when people who actually have been vaccinated against COVID do, in fact, become infected. And there is criticism of how that has been handled by media. 
Anybody want to give a, a defense or an, a prosecution in that point? I blame the CDC, which has done a, an atrocious job under Trump and still under Biden of getting out the message. Their only defense, and it's a strong one, but they don't wield it correctly, is, well, we're just following the science, and the science changes. Okay, I get that, but science doesn't change one day to the next. It takes like a month at least, and they just keep doing this zigzagging, and it's left people who are writing about it, much less the public, confused and distrusting. And now there's even court action against the CDC brought by conservatives about whether they're pushing their authority too much. Do they have the authority to say you can't evict people? That's that's happening right now as we speak. So in the breakthrough, um, I thought it was great that the journalists have the job. I think it speaks to great sourcing on their part that they got this information. And the time story was really coherent and interesting. But it's the CDC's fault for the way it was presented. I think you're letting the media off the hook. Okay. Too easily. I do agree with everything you're saying about the CDC and its role and what, how it should be presenting information. But the media have a responsibility to not rush to judgment, not rush to reporting, and presenting numbers in context. And that's one of the things that drives me crazy as a reader, as a citizen, as a journalist, as a journalism teacher, when numbers and statistics are not presented in context. And we used to say, you know, warning, journalists doing math. And the fact that journalists are often uncomfortable with numbers and math is not an excuse, especially in topics like this. So if you're going to report, you know, 125,000 fully vaccinated Americans have tested positive. Oh, no. And then you look in when you read it more in depth, that's only 0.08 percent of the vaccinated Eight, people. One thousandth of one percent. Yep. I, and I don't even know how to say that number. And <laughs> 35 million unvaccinated Americans have tested positive for COVID. 35 million at least. So we're not reporting in context. And then the poorly reported or inadequately reported information gets repeated and repeated. It takes on a life of its own. It misrepresents reality. So a reporter listening to this would say, let's not blame all of us. I, I appreciate the fact that you use media as a plural noun there. You, you were very careful about that. The media haven't. Because the fact is, this is a problem of editors and executive producers, isn't it? This is people saying, yeah. it was the Washington Post, actually, that had this big scoop that, oh my gosh, here's the slide from an internal presentation that talks about the danger of breakthrough. But an editor needs to resist the impulse to trumpet that when you look at the numbers. And clearly we don't resist. We, we don't resist. As, a, as yes, an industry. As I think well, there is that problem. I think yeah. you're both wrong. There's evidence that the media has done its job well, and here it is. Since we've begun reporting on the variant, the rate of vaccination has gone back up. People are afraid by what they're reading. So isn't that proof that we are handling it correctly it and we are putting it in perspective? Rosemary, first of all, I agree with you, but it isn't only, you know, the media that is doing this. We are finding more and more information about how dangerous this thing is, and I think that's leading right. people to change right. their minds on this. They don't want to die. I resist, again, that conversation we had several weeks ago about whether we were being too pessimistic. No, we're not. This is an extremely serious, ongoing epidemic, and I think the media is doing, in general, a good job in putting both the good news, which is that vaccination is incredibly safe and effective, and we got it so fast. It's a medical miracle, and we've reported it that way. It is all in superlatives, and if you don't get it, you're taking a huge risk, and we've reported that. So I'm not seeing where this imbalance or lack of context is coming. And in fact, one story on the TV 
must we say, in which shows the dying guy behind the glass, his six kids on the other side of the glass, and the guy saying, I should have taken the vaccine. Yeah, That's the most, pretty powerful stuff. Most memorable story was the nurse who talked about all of the dying patients who were saying, please give me the vaccine I should have gotten, and she has to tell them, I'm sorry, it's too late. That's so powerful. And and right after that is when we begin seeing an uptick in vaccinations. I have yeah. to, no, I have to ask your still... advice as people in the media. I was talking <laughs> to a nurse yeah. who is not getting the vaccination. Unvaccinated. Well, Unvaccinated. Yeah. She's going to lose her job. And is going to lose her job. Good. Recognizes that she's going to lose her job. <laughs> I, and says, if you could show me somebody who's, and I had just read these other stories about mm-hmm. the people in the medical profession and others saying, oh my gosh, I wished I had gotten the vaccine. And then, you know, the kicker at the story was the person has passed away. So those stories, the facts and the stories are out there. The evidence, the scientific evidence and the anecdotal evidence are out there. there. And yet you have a segment of people, even in healthcare, who are not listening. But the way it's being reported is so important. And you tell a story about the guy behind the glass and the six children. I mean, it makes a big difference when that happens. And we know that people are ignoring facts. Well, you're both right. It does make an impact. We're seeing that with more people getting But some people, as Barbara notes, are not seeing it. Just give me one person. I've heard the same thing. Sure. Yeah, this is actually at a time when it actually is advantageous for us to have a little bit more subjective coverage rather than the just he said, she said stuff that we've decried in this program before, the both sidism, because coverage that actually lets journalists put their own views into it gives you an opportunity to single out people like that and say, this is dumb. This is inappropriate. That would be a great story. Your nurse friend ought to be the topic of a column. Somebody could say this is a hazard and this person deserves to lose her But you know, in the world of the she said, he said, if I was that person, I would be saying, I could give you 300 stories about people who haven't been vaccinated and are perfectly safe. (laughs) Yeah, but use that number you just did, 125,000 breakthrough cases, 0.08%. Use that number. I'll send that along. Yeah, let us know how that goes. I had that conversation <laughs> in the line at the pharmacy. Two people behind me in the line were saying, well, this feels like Russia where they're going to make you get a shot. And, and uh, so I turned around and just, you know, I'm not a newspaper editor anymore. I'm retired. And I said, that point of view is going to kill people, you know. <laughs> it really and they wow. said, oh, thank wow. you for pointing that out, dear sir. (laughs) And he didn't punch you. No, actually, it turned out the guy who was complaining about this being like Russia had, in fact, had the vaccination. He had been a COVID patient. He had a mild case Mm. of it, but the woman in front of him had not yet had the vaccination, and she was kind of left dumbfounded. Dumb being the relevant word there, I think, for those who don't get the vaccine. Well, we have to keep telling the stories. Yeah. Yeah. Telling the stories. Keep telling stories, keep the scientific evidence out there, and the anecdotes. But nuance is hard. Nuance is hard in journalism, both in teasing a story on broadcast or in writing a headline in print and digitally, where headlines also have a place. It is hard to get the statistics clarified when what you're reporting is, oh my God, there are breakthrough cases, which is relevant. But to say there are breakthrough cases but it's not the vast majority of the cases. That's a hard well, Coming thing to back to what, what Rosemary was saying, that's an example where the CDC could be helping the media help the public. And I'm still them. concerned about outright misinformation. It has nothing to do with nuance. It has to do with people who are saying, I'm not going to get the shot because it messes with my DNA. Ah. I'm not going to wear a mask because it increases the risk of tuberculosis. And like you, Rex, I just want to jump all over this. Like, fine, die. And, <laughs> and you can't... 
You cannot say that. I understand this. I'm not saying Sorry. that. So you how do you get ways, to that? Then. Good for you. Uh, with that, we have to let it go. This show ought to be in an hour. No. Rosemary Armeo, Barbara Lombardo, Alan Shartok, and I'm Rex Smith. Oh. Tingling-a-ling, circulation, tingling-a-ling, advertising, get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers for freedom of the press.